0: And uh, good morning out. Yeah, we are uh, set to go. Hope you are as well. Skulls here along with Mackenzie Irwin, courtesy Sanfiru, Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Going to talk employment law. Lots of stuff to get through on the uh, show today, including, no, your employer is not allowed to dot, dot, dot. We'll get to those talking points, maybe an email or two. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to all that in a couple minutes here. Um... Mackenzie, but we want to start off with the uh, week that was, or a case of the day. What uh, what's in the news? What's going on, Bill?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you've been hiding under a rock, I think uh, everyone's mm. well aware that there's a federal union strike going on right now, and um, they're having some disputes about uh, pay. But one of the one of the main negotiation items that they're that they're striking over is that these uh, federal union workers they they want to continue to work from home. They've been, you know, they've been working from home uh, throughout the pandemic, and they want to keep that that work perk. And uh, the federal government disagrees. They want to recall them back to work in the office full time, and uh, the parties are kind of out of out of stand still there. So um, this is something that we're getting a ton of questions on these days because a lot of employers they're recalling the work, workforce to the office. Um, so I thought it would be useful. Uh, this this morning to kind of go over um, some of the frequently asked questions that, that we're getting from uh, from from people uh, calling in. So um, one of the main questions, obviously, is is um, whether your employer can actually return you to the office and require you to to go back to the office if you've been working from home. And so this is something that is is going to be dependent on. Um, on how you've been hired and what uh, language is is in any employment contract that you have. But suffice it to say that that, uh, employees don't have an automatic right to work from home um, unless that has been addressed in your employment contract or uh, you were specifically hired to a remote work position. So. You were told at the outset of your uh, when you applied and when you were hired that yes, we're hiring you for a permanently remote position, and we don't ever expect you to come into the office. So, mm. in those situations, yes, uh, uh, you do have a right to work from home, and your employer may not be able to recall you or to require you to come and work be, start working in the office. But um, unless you fall into one of those categories, your employer has the right to. Uh, require you to return to the office. Um, there's a, a bit of a caveat to that, but, um, and, and that being really if you have any kind of child care or elder care, uh, family care obligations, or some sort of medical reason that requires you to work from home. So if you have, if you fall into one of those categories, um, those employees will need to kind of work with their employer um, let them know what kind of child care, elder care, what your family obligations are, what your medical reasons are, and work with your employ- employer to kind of sort out some sort of appropriate accommodation. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, uh, just because you know your employer has to 100% let you work from home, it may be some sort of hybrid model that, that's the appropriate accommodation, but it's something that you have to work with your employer um, to, to uh, sort out. Now, depending on how long you've worked from home for, um, you're, in a lot of the questions that I'm getting is, okay, well, if I, you know, if I fall into the category where my employer is allowed to call me back to work, do they have to give me a heads up? Do they have to give right. me any advance notice of this recall? And and absolutely, you know, depending on how long you've been working from home for, and if it's been due to the pandemic, it's likely been almost, th- you know, over three years now, um, your employer does have to give you uh, advance notice of their requirement to return you to the office. So they need to do that so that you can make any necessary arrangements, you can um you know accommodate that change in your in your uh, employment so that you can abide by it and, go, and and return to the office so those are things that something that is you know common or it's it's often asked to us We're getting a lot of questions a lot of employers that are re- recalling their workforce back to the office and um and it's obviously one of the main negotiation items in this federal union strike so something uh, to really keep in mind um, and there are there are certain reasons you know one of the another common question i'm getting is okay so what's a valid, you know what's a valid reason that my employer is going to recall me back to work and this is something that i think the federal government workers are um, are, are grappling with the government's grappling with is that yeah, often employers are recalling their em- workforce back to the office because their employees are dealing with perhaps sensitive personal data um, and, and it might be a legitimate business reason why the employers needs you to work from, uh, to return to the office, work from the office, in order to minimize any kind of security risk or, or breaches that, would, uh, that, are, that they're susceptible to when your employees are working from various different um, home offices. So there's a lot of valid and acceptable reasons why an employer might have to require their workforce to, to come into the office. Um, and, and it's really going to be a workplace specific, uh, situation.
0: No, your employer is not allowed to. Let's get through some of these talking points. Some of these may shock people who are listening. Mackenzie, maybe they know them from listening in the past for, for many years. Hope they do. But if not, uh, these will give you a bit of a wake up call. No, your employer is not allowed mm-hmm. to refuse to pay you overtime. If you actually worked the extra hours, how does that work?
1: Yeah, this is a common one. So, uh, the Employment Standards Act actually requires employers to pay overtime pay um, and that overtime pay will be paid at time and a half for all hours that you've worked over 44 hours in a week. So this there's an exception to this. This does not apply if you're a manager. But again, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that you need to consider of whether you are truly, actually a manager and, and qualify for that exemption. But um, generally speaking, your employer has to pay um, for the hours that you worked, over 44 hours in a week. And this is regardless of whether you're an hourly or a salaried employee. That's something that people often, it's a, a major misconception. They, they call in and they say, well, I work, you know, I work 50 hours a week. Uh, I regularly work 50 hours a week, but I'm a salaried employee. So I just assume that because I'm not paid hourly, I don't, I don't qualify for that overtime pay. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, You're still entitled to it, even if you are a salaried employee. And if you're working more than, or regularly working more than 44 hours a week, you're going to want to make sure that you're keeping uh, a detailed, detailed track of your hours um, and that you let your employer know when you work more than 44 hours in a week. you should let them know pretty much instantly, like on Friday afternoon You've worked 50 hours that week, you should let them know immediately, and they should be paying you overtime for those hours above the 44 hours. And so this is also regardless of whether your employer has some sort of policy in place that requires that you get permission from them to work overtime, because those policies aren't really worth uh, the paper that they're written on. If you've truly worked those hours, you're entitled to overtime pay. Um, you should be telling your employer, especially if they have one of those policies, that you are working. The work that they've assigned to you requires you to work overtime hours, uh, and you should try to get that um, permission from them before. But if, you're, if the work that they're assigning you requires you to work more than work overtime hours, then uh, you're entitled to be paid for it, regardless of whether there's a policy requiring permission to work overtime. Um, And so, obviously, if your employer is refusing to pay you that overtime pay, uh, you should be speaking with an employment lawyer because not only are you entitled to that pay, but depending on the significance of the missing pay, this could be a constructive dismissal and you could be entitled to severance. So, speaking with an employment lawyer, we can help you navigate that, uh, enforce your entitlements to that overtime pay, and see if there's any other um, uh, recourse that you have.
0: So even if you've been, as far as been instructed, not to work the overtime, but you had to do it to get the job done, you still get paid for it, yeah?
1: You should, yeah. So absolutely. Oh. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, as long as you can prove that the, work, that the hours were worked, then you are entitled to, those, to, to pay for those hours. So it's something that if your employer is saying, no, no, we're not approving you to work overtime, but the work requires you to do that. You need to let your employer know, I'm sorry, it's, an, it's not possible to, you know, complete this work assignment without working this overtime pay or overtime hours. What would you like me to do? Um, and put it to, if you've been working those hours, you're entitled to, pay, to be compensated for them.
0: Again, guys, 416-870-6400 to call in live to the show now this morning as we uh, we roll on here with the main topic. Know your employer is not allowed to make up a bogus negative performance review. That's nice.
1: Yeah, I I mean I I get a lot of people coming to me that say, okay, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere I get a new manager, or I get whatever, and now all of a sudden I'm getting, I've had great performance reviews throughout my employment, and now all of a sudden I'm getting these. Negative performance reviews, and I don't agree with them. I don't agree with uh, with what they're saying or or what, how they're criticizing my work. Um, this has never been a problem for me in the past. If your employer has issued a negative performance review or put you on a performance improvement plan that you don't agree with, you need to act immediately. You need you should be putting it in writing to your employer um all the reasons why you disagree with the review or you disagree with the performance improvement plan, Um, and it's really important that you're not just telling them this, you are putting that in writing. Because oftentimes um, when employers issue these unjustified uh, poor performance reviews or put you on an unjustified performance improvement plan, they're really trying to establish and build a case to terminate your employment. Usually they're trying to create a case that, uh, to terminate you, your employment for cause, which means, you know, for cause being without paying you any severance. So when, uh, when you get these per- poor performance reviews and you don't think they're justified, your spidey senses should, it should be a red flag. Um, and you should, uh, you should make sure that you're voicing your disagreement with that. If you and don't with that, voice yep. your
0: disagreement. Sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry, yeah, I, I all done. If sorry. you don't
1: voice it, then it's, if you don't voice it, then then it's uh, then you could be seen as having condoned or agreed with the review, and then then you're going into. Uh, that's why it's just very important to kind of uh, put it in writing that you disagree with it.
0: We'll continue with more of the employment law show. Stand by. All right, back at it. Mackenzie Irwin is the uh, lawyer here answering all those questions with the knowledge. So give us a call, email help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website built for you to uh, to get smarter and access to your severance options, what they really should be through the severance calculator that can be found Pocket Employment Lawyer. .ca. Okay. No, your employer is not allowed to. Third one, let you go without severance just because you did something wrong. Break that down for me, McKenzie.
1: Yeah. So this is what, uh, terminations without severance, What we call it just cause dismissal. It's the, the capital punishment of employment law and it's reserved for only the most severe of cases. So no, your employer is not al- allowed to terminate you and provide you with no severance just because you did something wrong. They must provide you with severance. Um, Just cause dismissals, they're very, very difficult for an employer to justify. Um, And the bar is set very high for them. Um, So a single incident is almost never going to establish just cause for termination. So just doing one thing wrong is not going to, to warrant a just cause dismissal. If you've been terminated without severance, you should always have um, that termination reviewed by an employment lawyer because in the vast majority of cases, the employer does not have just cause and you're actually entitled to severance. So um, that being said, there are some instances where a single incident may warrant a just cause dismissal. Um, For example, if you've committed fraud... Or um, you've stolen from the company, or if you've been terminated, um, or in other instances, if you've been terminated with, within your probationary period, and so in the instances of fraud or um, or theft, um, the employer is going to, you know, you may still be entitled to severance because the employer is going to need to have made sure that they've really, um, you know, crossed their T's and dotted their eyes. They've done a thorough investigation into the incident, the allegations, um, and they, you know, through their uh, through their investigation, they've come to the conclusion that, yes, you have committed this uh, fraud, you have committed this theft, um, and they have the, docu- the proper documentation, um, all the interviews, what have you, to back that up. Now, oftentimes, people come to me and I look through what's the employer has uh, given to them or done to establish that this employee has uh, has committed fraud or has um, has has stolen from the company, and and they just the the necessary uh, documentation to back that up. It's just not there. And so in those cases, it, you may still be entitled to severance. Um, so it, it's the onus is on the employer to justify that yes, we had the grounds to terminate you for just cause. Now. The other scenario where you may be entitled to be terminated um, without uh, without severance um, is if they're terminating you within your probationary period. Probationary periods are really um, tricky. Um, you're, you know, you you may still be if you're being terminated within a probationary period. You may still be entitled to severance, and it's really mm. important that you have that termination reviewed by an employment lawyer because uh, the employer may in order to do that, they have to have very specific language in your employment contract. Um, And so if they don't have that, then you're still entitled to severance. So you should certainly be getting this, uh, this reviewed by an employment lawyer so that you can determine whether you're actually entitled to severance.
0: Hey, Ted, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. So good pal. What's going on with you?
2: So part of the business where I'm working is going to be moving to a new location. Uh, they're saying if I don't go to that location, they can get rid of me for that. Is that possible?
1: Uh, so Ted, how far away is this new location?
2: From from the new business or from where I'm living?
1: Well, I guess, first of all, I guess from, so let's say your commute to your 15 minutes, or how how far is that commute? From
2: my place to, to the new business to the old business would be uh, fifteen minutes. To so the new business, okay, at least maybe half an hour, maybe a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So it, it it will really depend on the length of the how long it's extending your commute. So it's not if it's a substantial change to your commute. Let's. I mean, if fifteen minutes, if you're commute was 30 minutes a day, and now it's going to be an hour a day. That could justify a constructive dismissal, but in in terms of, are they shutting down the old location? No. It's just a
2: different part of the business.
1: What do you mean by a different part of the business?
2: Um, like, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, actually.
1: Like, are people who do your position are they still working at the old lo- location and they're just moving a few of you over to the new location, or yes, is yes, everyone yes, it's like? We well, you should just explain. Sorry. So, if some people who are doing your position are staying at the at the old location. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. So they can't force you to move to the new location especially if that new location is a substantial increase to your commute. Okay. Um, so so that's something if, uh, that we can chat about in more detail if you want to take it offline and, and send me an email. But certainly that could be a constructive dismissal. Um, and we can help, if you want to get in touch with us, we can help you navigate how to um, address that and respond to that with your, with your employer. Okay, thank you very much.
0: All right, appreciate High it, Ted. Five. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the phone call, and again, to reach out afterwards, you always have that option. In fact, you can uh, encourage to have that conversation uh, with McKenzie. How do you do that? That's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. We are talking about uh, the topic. No, your employer is not allowed to. And this one's big. It actually still happens too, which is kind of surprising in this day and age, uh, McKenzie. But is ignore your complaints about harassment by a coworker.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, it, an employer has a legal obligation to investigate all complaints of harassment. Um, that's that's a statutory obligation. They have to do that. Even they even have to do an investigation, even if you haven't made a formal complaint. So, even at the whiff of empl- of harassment in the workforce, there's rumors that something's going on. the The employer has a legal obligation to take action and to investigate that complaint of harassment, to take your complaint seriously, and to take action to protect you from further harassment in the workplace um, while they're doing this investigation. So, Mm. if your employer is ignoring your complaint, is not taking it seriously, is brushing your complaints aside, is telling you that this is just uh, management style, or, um, you know, that's just the way it is, this is likely a constructive dismissal, and you're you're very likely entitled to severance. Um, so, it's it's important to note when you're when you do bring a complaint, what are your rights? People are afraid. Oh, I don't want to bring a complaint. I don't know. Want I don't want anything to happen. I don't want to lose my job. Um, and once you've brought a formal um, a harassment complaint forward to your employer, you uh, you're statutorily repre- protected um, from any. Rebel for bringing that complaint. So you can't be terminated for bringing your complaint. Your employer can't uh, reduce your pay, put you on a leave of absence, demote you, anything like that. Your employment should continue as is while they're investigating your complaint. Um, If your employer is ignoring it or not taking the proper action, um, or you've been terminated for bringing a complaint or suffered any kind of reprisal for bringing that complaint, you should... Speak with an employment lawyer right away to help you navigate the situation and practice dismissal if that's appropriate.
0: Going to uh, take a phone call in between here before we uh, we break. You got a few minutes, Kyle. Good morning. How are you, pal? Hey, good
3: morning. This is a bit of a softball, but I'm just wondering uh, if my employer likes to hold vacation pay and dole it out in a lump sum once a year. And I can they? Is there a way to force their hand to, to get it when you come back from vacation so that you can you know? Because if someone's got to stick to a budget, they might not be expecting that.
1: Sorry, um, so your employer is paying your vacation pay once a year um, in a lump sum at let's, the end of the year. Is that what is that? E- yeah,
3: well, let's say someone came back from vacation and didn't know that and was expecting to be able to cash in some of their vacation pay. Hmm. You know what at I'm saying? At the
1: time that they took the vacation.
3: Yeah, so they can, like, that's how a budget works. You need income to, to pay for it.
1: Right. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I'm assuming they pay everyone the same way and dole it out in the lump sum once a year?
3: That is correct. I've heard that if you really ruffle the feathers, you can get it when you want, but I'm not the kind of person that likes to do that. I just I'm just hold grudges and leave. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, well I, I wouldn't suggest that, but certainly, I mean, so... Why not?
3: That's... Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so you're pay, vacation pay in, in, in a lump sum once a year. Absolutely, they're entitled to do that. Um, it, but it sounds like there's nothing stopping you from asking them uh, if they're willing to change that policy and to pay you in a different format um, and negotiate that on your own your employer can there's a, ver- a lot of a variety of ways that your employer can actually pay vacation pay um, and if they're willing to change it for one person or a few people if, you, if they ask um, there's no nothing stopping them from doing that
3: okay fair enough but they're allowed to hold it and then pay it out once a year that's up to them
1: they're yeah, they're allowed to pay it out once a year, but certainly, it's, Kyle, it sounds like you should you should be asking them if if other people have gotten that um, that different payment system. Then then there's nothing stopping you from asking for the same
3: uh, treatment. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, yeah, thank you. Cool, thanks for answering the question.
0: Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate okay. it, pal. You want to uh, follow up anytime? Same number I gave our uh, last caller: one eight five five eight two one. 1-855-821-5900. eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's get a couple more talking points before we break here. No, your employer is not allowed to fire you for taking a medical leave of absence. That's not a good move. Not bright.
1: No, no, and I'm still shocked at how many employers will do this, um, and how many people come to me who've been terminated while they're on a medical leave. Um, it, it's very interesting because when you're on a medical leave, there's nothing. You know, it's, it's job protected leave. And um, you know, how can your employer possibly know that they don't have a job for you uh, when you you don't know? You know, you're on this medical leave. You're, you're not sure when you're going to be coming back. So they they can't possibly know the working conditions or the business conditions in the future. None of us have a crystal ball, and so it it, it just it's a, a bozo move on uh, on employer's part. But if you're terminated um, for uh, while you're uh, for taking a medical leave, um, this is absolutely, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a human rights violation. Um, and your employer has a duty to accommodate your uh, medical leave up to the point of undue hardship. So if you go to your employer and you say, you know, I, um, I'm suffering from depression. I have some sort of medical disability and I, my doctor says I need to take a medical leave from work. Your employer has a duty to uh, to uh, permit you to take that medical leave, um, and if they terminate you for telling them that you need to take this medical leave, and you're not only will you be entitled to your um, your full severance, but you would you're likely also going to be entitled to human rights damages for that human rights violation, and so. It's something that you absolutely want to be speaking with an employment lawyer about. Um, We can take you through your options. We can help you navigate that. Um, And those human rights uh, damages, those can be, sometimes those can be quite significant damages. And so um, by just accepting your, uh, your termination and not seeing an employment lawyer, you could be missing out on not only your full severance, but those additional damages as well.
0: You know, it's interesting at the beginning of that, you said, you know, tell your employer I have, you know, whatever mental health issue I need to take some time off. You don't even have to do that. They don't have to know diagnosis, do they? Legally, they can ask prognosis, how long you need to be off, so on and so forth, get a doctor's note, but they don't have to know if it's a hangnail or if it's a stroke, like it's not their business, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. So the only information that you need to be providing to your employer to take a medical leave is uh, is all you need to be providing is a medical note from your doctor saying, for medical reasons, uh, Mackenzie Irwin is not able to attend work and uh, she'll be seen again in two weeks' time. And so you're you're absolutely correct. They do not need to know what the actual medical reasons are. Um, And, I mean, you can feel free to tell them if you want to, but they are not entitled to a diagnosis. They're not entitled to why, but they are entitled to... Um how long you that your doctor expects that you'll be off for.
0: And with that, we'll take a short break. We'll continue with more of the Employment Law Show here on a Saturday morning. Stand by, coming right back. We're back at McKenzie Irwin, uh, courtesy of Firu to Mark and LLP. Reach out to McKenzie, discuss your employment law matters. Anytime when we're not doing this show on a Saturday morning, 1-855-821-5900 to reach uh, McKenzie, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you have the option of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to learn a lot more and have access to the severance calculator. It'll tell you exactly how much severance you're actually owed. It's not like the one you just got handed by your now post-employer. It's going to be a lot more. I can almost guarantee that. You can go there anytime, as mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get to more phone calls here in a moment, where we're going to get to more of our topic as well. No, your employer is not allowed to. The next one, Mackenzie, this uh, kind of obvious, but a lot of people just let it go. That is change your pay. Uh, job description, hours of work, work location, so on and so forth, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So your employer is not allowed to make substantial changes to the terms of your employment. If they do that unilaterally without your agreement...
0: Still got you there, Mackenzie? There you are. Sorry, you dropped out of... Yes, hi. Mm -hmm. Yes. uh,
1: Okay, yeah. So these these substantial changes, your employer cannot make those substantial changes to the terms of your employment um, without your agreement. Um, and, and those changes will, are likely going to be a constructive dismissal. And so this could be, uh, as uh, the caller earlier was, was uh, describing, it could also be just a substantial change to your work location. So um, you're going to need to express immediately and in writing to your employer that you do not agree with, those, with these changes. Um, you'll have to do so uh, because if you wait too long to express your disagreement. Uh, and you work under those changed conditions for for very long, you may have been seen by the courts to have condoned or agreed to that change. So if your employer is making changes to your pay, your job description, the terms of your employment, the hours that you work, where you work, um, what your duties and responsibilities are, um, you're going to want to speak to an employment lawyer right away so that we can analyze the changes that your employer is trying to make and determine whether that is a substantial enough change to constitute a constructive dismissal.
0: Oh, I get it. I get it. Anytime you want to call through guys this information, sometimes it seems confusing, but it's it's not really. It's just a phone call away. No, your employer is not allowed to force you to resign. That would not be a resignation if that were the case, right?
1: No, yeah, your employer can't force you to resign. It, a resignation has to be voluntary. Um, I've had uh, em- employees come to me whose employers have said, you know, we're either going to fire you for cause, or we're gonna, we can let you resign. And so that is a forced resignation. It's not voluntary. Um, and it's not enforceable, that kind of resignation. So um, in order for a resignation to be enforceable, it has to be voluntary. It has to be clear what you're doing, that your intention is to, re- to resign. Um, and even if you've, you've resigned, you've resigned in the heat of the moment, um, and you go home, you cool off, and you, you say, oh, hold on a minute, I, don't, I didn't really mean to do that. You can all you can um, revoke your resignation, so um, and and that would be the uh, withdrawing your resi- resignation is also enforceable. So your employer can't force you to resign. When you resign, you're not when it's a clear, voluntary, unequivocal resignation. You're not entitled to severance or any pay um, a, a notice of your termination. Um, so you've given up your rights to that. Um, If that's truly a voluntary and clear and unequivocal, that's what you are intending to do, you want to go start a new job, start your own business, you've given up, you've resigned, you've given up your right to to severance. But if your employer is trying to force you to do that, that's going to be a termination and you are entitled to severance. So you're going to want to speak with an employment lawyer, you're going to want to talk to someone because we can help you navigate that and enforce your termination entitlements there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the old, uh, you know, uh, we expect your resignation on our desk, you know, Friday at five, right? That, that doesn't hold water. That's still not a resignation. Sorry.
1: Ab- absolutely not. No, and they can't hold you to that. They can't force you to do that. Even if you do do that, you should speak with an employment lawyer because it truly wasn't voluntary. You, was it wasn't your decision to resign. And so if, if your employer is forcing you to do that, um, it is a termination and you are entitled to severance.
0: Next one, no, your employer is not allowed to terminate you because you're older and have become less productive. Wow.
1: Yeah, I actually am getting a lot of these. Um, so people are coming to me and their employer has uh, decided that they, uh, you know, they're starting to overload them. They're starting to make them, um, uh, forcing them to use programming that they haven't been using in the past. Um they're telling them, you know what, uh, Bob, you're you're now you're getting into your sixties, and, and we have this new um, younger employee who's who's just way more productive than you. They're able to do way more work in a day. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. Um, if your employer is terminating you because of uh, because of your age, because uh, they have younger, more or more productive employees that that they want to replace you with, um, this is likely going to be a human rights violation. So again. Not only are you entitled to your full severance, but you're also likely going to be entitled to uh, human rights damages for, um, for the, the violation of your human rights by terminating you on the basis or in part because of, uh, because of your age.
0: And we talked about other things they can't do right there, like force you to resign on the spot. Something else that is it, they can't do, it's, 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 it's obvious, and that is force you to accept their severance offer on the spot. Usually, I guess, it's like, you know, take this home, have a look over, it, get back to us, you know, or at least Friday, you know, next Friday at 5 or what I have it signed back to us. That's enough of a pressure tactic. But when they say on the spot, sign this before you leave, they can't do that.
1: Absolutely not, and and unfortunately, it's not as uh, obvious to to many people. Many people come to me and they say, you know, my employer told me I, if I didn't sign it in the termination meeting that my term it, that their, uh, this, this really great severance package that they were offering me was gonna, they were going to take it off the table. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to sign that. So uh, that is called you know that's called duress. That is signing something under duress. That force uh, that pressure to sign on the spot. They cannot make you do that. And even if they have made you do that, um, that you in, in signing that under duress, under that pressure, um, that stressful situation, um, that release or whatever you've signed may not be enforceable. So if, if that's what's happened to you, you need to speak with an employment lawyer right away um, because you need to, your employer cannot force you to accept a severance offer on the spot. Any kind of pressure tactics to um to accept the offer that they're giving you should be a major red flag for you that you need to that you need to get this uh, severance offer reviewed by an employment lawyer because it's likely not a very good offer and a, and a, a good offer is not going to be pressuring you to uh, accept it in, in a time limited fashion um, they're going to want you to have that Package reviewed by an employment lawyer because they want you to see, yes, look how fair we're treating you. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if, if you're imp- kind of time constraint or um, pressuring you to sign uh, or accept their offer um, on the spot or, or shortly thereafter, that should be a major red flag for you to, to just ask in that meeting, no, I'm not comfortable signing this right now. Um, you know, this is a very stressful uh, termination meetings are very stressful. I'd like to take this home with me, review it, think about it, and I can get back to you in two weeks, a week, three weeks, whatever you need. Um, your employer should be able to give you that if they're not letting you do that and forcing you to sign on the spot, that uh, you need to go and speak with the lawyer right away.
0: We'll get to one more of these, but first I got to take a short break and return with that. And then your email. We continue Saturday edition employment law show. Hang on, already we're back here. Dragon, which is here. Hi, Dragon. How are you? How are you? good? What's up?
2: Well, I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. Two years ago, when during COVID I was laid off for four months, and I was the only one laid off. And to call me back, they would they they would call me back. They only would take me back if I signed a new contract, taking less pay, and they. Gave me a new position, but I'm still a mechanic. I'm an automotive mechanic. They gave me a new position, and it's based on half salary, half flat rate. And before it was just flat rate. So, on a let's say an eighty-hour week, producing, I would lose, you know, probably four or five hundred dollars compared to before.
1: Okay. So, um, and so when did you when did you sign this new contract?
2: It was two years ago. Two years ago, so yeah. uh,
1: un- unfortunately, um, because you've signed that new contract, you uh, you've agreed to those new terms of your employment. Right. But in future, if your employer is ever, first of all, if your employer has laid you off and is making uh, your recall back to work contingent on you signing a new contract, uh-huh. that should be a red flag to you that you need to call an empl- you need to call an employment lawyer. You need to have that contract reviewed. Before you sign it. Um, because if you had done that, someone would have told you that you had no obligation to sign a new contract. They had a legal obligation to put you back into your um, previous position. And you could have said, um, you know, no, sorry, I'm not going to sign this. I'd like to come back to work at my previous position under my previous um, compensation structure. But unfortunately, now that you've signed this new contract, you've agreed to those terms. Um, and even if you didn't sign the contract but you returned and now you've been working for two years under those new terms, you've uh, essentially agreed to those terms by virtue of of working under those new conditions. I see. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, uh, but in the future, if this ever comes up again, you absolutely, that should be a red flag to you that um, if my employer is asking me to sign a new contract, I should have that contract reviewed so that I understand by signing this, what rights am I giving up? Because your employer is only ever going to ask you to sign a new contract, um, to benefit them.
3: Yes. Contracts
1: in general, employment contracts only benefit the employer. And so when they want you to sign a new one, they're likely trying to get you to limit your rights, which is what they've done.
2: I'm the only one in the company that this happened to. And, um... Yeah. They said, I have no choice because COVID, I could do whatever I want with you. So,
1: um, I mean, yeah. So, and those kinds of tactics to pressure you, pressure their employees to sign contracts. But again, it should be a red flag. If your employer is really, really keen on you doing, uh, you know, changing something, signing a new contract, that should be your, your cue that, hmm, uh, this, there's something up here. I should have uh, an employment lawyer take a look at this. Okay.
0: Thanks, pal. I appreciate that. We're going to get into uh, one more phone call in our last uh, couple minutes. Andrew, you're up, pal. What's your question?
2: Oh yeah, I have a question about pension. Okay. Um, I've I recently discovered that the company made an error, and my pension stopped being contributed to quite a few years ago. Now, they acknowledged the error, and they sent me a statement of what they're going to replace the company contributions as well as the uh, interest earned on my contributions. However, at the time when I set it up, they were supposed to be taking money off my pay, and they are not compensating in any way for what for that portion because they didn't they didn't take it off. And all that interest on that money are they obligated in any way to 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 you know um, offer replacement of some of that? those funds
1: so in terms of of making sure that uh your contributions for that portion of time that it was off um are contributed they should be providing you with an option to back pay your portion of that similar to how they're back paying their portion to that um in terms of the interest that's an interesting question i think um it's something that is certainly worthwhile looking into um, and something that you should uh, you should certainly reach out to us and um, and, and schedule an appointment so that we can take a look at that in more detail um, and and, um, and give you a, uh, a more thorough answer on that.
0: And that'll do it for the show. Thank you uh, for that last phone call. Andrew, guys, you want to reach out to Mackenzie now, you can, anytime. Always encouraged to. As a matter of fact, one 855 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address we always use, and Mackenzie will continue to use. And you can also reach out and learn more through pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time in the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your weekend.